Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And good morning. Welcome to McNamara. Uh, sorry, welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. Uh, I am joined by Everett Henderson of the Henderson Insurance Group today. Good morning, Everett. Good morning, Justin. How are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. Everett, you are a, a health insurance expert. Can we call you that today? Is that okay? Yes, I am an insurance expert in many different areas. That that's right. Yeah, I didn't mean to. That's right. I didn't mean to sell you short there. We're talking mostly health insurance today. We may talk. I know you do. You do all types of insurance at the Henderson Insurance Group. But I think we're going to focus today on the health insurance side of it. We only have about an hour here, and I'm sure we can cover. We I don't know if we can cover everything that you're that you do here, but we'll we'll see what we can. Get Get through. Okay. I thought we would start off. Um, I think I'm excited about this for the reason being we spend a lot of time. I think, especially for folks, at least as a financial planner, right, we're dealing with folks who are closer to retirement fairly often, and we very frequently get we we get one of two things: we get either concerns. So if you're in those last 55 to 65 range, sometimes folks are concerned that they were that they're going to be let go by their company. We've heard it's hard; it gets harder to get a job as you age, and sometimes people will get low with that uh, will get let go. And then you also have a whole other set of folks who are planning to retire early, right? So if you want to retire at 60, 62, and Medicare kicks in at 65, health insurance is also a concern. So I feel like I have the discussion about about health insurance on your own a, a, a fair bit. And so maybe I thought I would start there, if that's okay with you? Yeah, that works perfect. Okay. Why don't we, I, I guess we should talk a bit about we practice mostly in Massachusetts. I know we reach New Hampshire here, but why don't we talk just a bit about the Massachusetts plan? Can you just tell us how it works and what the requirements are? And then we can move into some of the details. Yeah, definitely. And just to be in full disclosure, we are covering mainly all Massachusetts right now, but I am licensed in eight states. So I do help clients all in those eight states for health insurance and Medicare and so forth. But in Massachusetts and all the other states, I work with clients that are basically either fit into two categories. They're with a company plan or want to establish a company plan, or they don't have a company plan and they need health insurance on their own in one way or the other. Either through they just are self-employed or they're in transition between jobs or they're retired and they still need coverage. So I work in the what's called the non-group market, which is you're not affiliated with the company plan, as well as the group market, which is self-employed, sole proprietor companies of one employee, the owner only, all the way up to large companies of, I can handle as, as many, as big of a company as we're talking, but I mainly dabble in, my main focus is the smaller groups, employees, companies under 25, but I also have others that are larger than that. 
And then in the non-group market, I help clients that, like I said, are in transition. I have a lot of clients right now that are either lost coverage through leaving their job, either resigned or otherwise, and the need transition to a non-group plan until they get rehired, or people that are reti- uh, retired and need coverage to uh, last them until they get into the Medicare arena. And it really depends on what their focus is and what their needs are. I step them through that whole process, get their particulars, who needs coverage, and their details, I get them quoted. Then we talk about the plans so that uh, we can, I can help them figure out which plan may benefit them the most. Then I get some additional information to enroll them myself, and then I work with them throughout the year to make sure that if they have any questions or issues, they, they contact me first, and then I can direct them. And then at renewal time, which depending on which market you're in, like right now, it's open enrollment for the non-group folks. Yep. So January 1st is when most people are looking to get coverage. It does extend into fe- up to uh, February and even March 1st, uh, but most everybody's focused on January 1st. Uh, yeah. That's what's happening right now in the open open uh, enrollment for non-groups. Okay. Okay, yeah, I guess just quickly, one of the, I think, pain points for folks is if you're in a group plan, and you're going to a non-group plan, right? So this is mostly for, for folks who are, they're working and then they leave to get insurance coverage on their own. Can you just talk a bit maybe about price in general? It doesn't have to be, I guess, just how these prices are set. I know that for McNamara Financial, as a we're a small group and our prices are one thing, are a number. And then I think the larger your group is, the better your price is. And then if you're on your own, it's worse. Is that accurate? And maybe you could just talk me through some of that and the reasons for it, because I know it's a frustration for a lot of folks. Yeah, and you, know, you, know, you uh, hit it right on the, the nail on the head on that one, is that if you're part of a large group, the bigger the group, the younger the group, the better the rates are for everybody involved. Okay. But even if, depending on the age, it's still the larger the group, the better the rates are going to be. Then with a small group like yourself of maybe two or three people on the employees on the plan, you're not going to see as robust premiums as you would part of a large group. And a lot of times, I get that issue with people coming off a large group plan. They take a look at, I quote them in the non-group market. Yeah. And it's a sticker shot because they don't realize how much the insurance is actually costing. Because when you're part of a group, the company is obligated to pay a portion of the insurance. And that ranges all over the place. In Massachusetts, for an individual only plan, the, the company has to pay 50% or any other family type of situation, and there's three categories in the family dynamic, they have to pay, they're mandated to pay 33%. Now the companies can pay more than that, that those percentages that I just mentioned. And when somebody's coming off a company plan where the employer that they're working for has been paying that portion, now they're going into a market where now they're going to be paying 100% and the sticker shock really comes about. And this is where you want to walk them through, all right, you have this type of plan over here. You certainly can stay on your company plan because usually when anybody leaves a company plan, they're given the opportunity to stay on COBRA, they call it, yep. which is basically an extension of that plan for the next 18 months. Does that apply to voluntary departures as well? Not normally, because if they normally voluntarily leave, they're doing it for a reason. But yeah. um, it, it really depends on the size of the group that uh, 
that determines that, but in a lot of cases it is. If they voluntarily leave, they do have to be offered COBRA as well. It just really depends on the size of the group and what the what's okay. the, the reason why they're leaving. There are certain reasons that the company doesn't have to offer COBRA you know, due to most gross misconduct or something like that, but that doesn't normally happen all that often. Those okay. people are, Usually when somebody leaves, they're leaving for a reason. They're going to another job, and that's going to offer benefits as well, but not always. Yeah. Um, okay. In theory, yes, does have to be offered to almost everybody. In some, in many cases, the voluntary is as well, but not always. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, let, and let's talk. Do you can you estimate? Because I'm I'm in this situation fairly frequently when I'm running a retirement plan, and we're shooting for an early retirement. Uh, let's just say uh, age sixty to sixty five, we have a retirement, and then we need to cover health insurance between between retirement and Medicare in an individual marketplace. Can you estimate costs on that? Or And I know we want to go a bit into kind of plan, uh, maybe design plan options a bit later, but do you have a, if someone's, if someone's listening out there saying, hey, I want to retire at 65, how much is health insurance going to cost me? Is that something that you could give a shot to or is yeah, it I mean, really dependent on the person? When so, it does depend on the age and uh, where they live. Those are the two main variables. Okay. Um, yeah. And it also depends on which plans are available because if you live out in Western Mass, there can be uh, less options available, meaning the plans might be available, but the you know the access to doctors. Yeah. Might be, so, uh, and then when you uh, further east, you certainly have a few more options as far as doctors, but the rates are still going to be determined on where you live and what's your age. A lot of times people call me up and hey, can you give me a ballpark figure? I, and I throw out a figure based on what their age and where they are. And let's say we're talking about you know, your company, your firm's down in the Marshfield. So in the Marshfield arena, if somebody's in the 60 range, you're probably looking at somewhere in the starting point of 490, 485 for the starting point for a plan and going up to well over a thousand, up to close to two thousand dollars, depending on which plan you choose. Oh, wow! Okay. Variables that range. decide that will <clears throat> will be determined which plan they choose, depending on how big of a deductible, which carrier they choose, what the co-pays are, what the out-of-pocket max are, whether it has co-insurance or co uh, co-pays. So there's the plans are all structured differently. Each carrier throws out a several levels, bronze, silver, or gold, and in some cases, a platinum level type of plan. Yeah. And those are, the, depending on the, the level, it's mandated by the state that the, state, the plan has to cover a certain percentage of the benefits up front. Um, and that's why the premiums are higher if they're uh, more of the benefits of medical services up front. So you can certainly do yourself, keep your premiums down on the lower side, if you go with a higher deductible plan and co-pays are on the higher side and so forth, but then you pay more down the road as you see services, you're going to be uh, getting a lot of bills and that frustrates a lot of people. So there's usually some type of happy medium. Okay. I help people find, but rates still are, I got to say, most people are not extremely happy with the rate that they're paying anyways. The cost of insurance <laughs> uh, spiraled out of control. And I hear 
a lot of uh, a lot of people upset about it. And I get it. I try yep. and help them navigate through the minefield and get it into a plan that's ideal, right for you, them, and then hopefully it doesn't break the bank. Yeah. And, and just, I, and I know that obviously you help folks, I think the Mass Health Connector will direct people there f- for information as well. How many carriers are covering, let's just use Massachusetts as an example. I'm looking for basically how many different options that people have, right? If there was, if there's five carriers and then there are four plans a piece, then we're looking at 20 different options, which I think is pretty overwhelming. I've, as the guy who's in charge of figuring out the health insurance with help from a fellow like you, Everett, I, I know it gets a little overwhelming. So how many choices do we have here? It depends on which market you're talking about, non-group market, and where you go to sign up for health insurance. So you brought up one marketplace, the health connector, Yes, the state-run marketplace, but and I don't. I take some of my clients through the health connector on the business end, yep. but on the non-business end, the non-group end, I take them through other platforms. And I can also take them if they're a company and they're large enough. I can take them directly to the carrier. But there's predominantly only five or six carriers in the state, which is a lot more carriers than a lot of other states throughout the, in the country. And within that, if you're a business. You can be looking at upwards of well over 60 plans available to you. Oh, wow. In, non- in the non-group market, yeah. uh, you can be looking at, usually at least everybody has anywhere from 20 to 40 different plans, depending on where you live in the state. Okay. You have That's options. Awesome. And the health connector is there for people. Just to kind of touch base on that, since you brought it up, is that. Anybody that's income need in need of help with health insurance, the health connector is the way to go because you can qualify for tax credits and subsidized plans or even free health insurance. Yeah, uh, I don't help with that because uh, they don't. The state doesn't allow brokers to get involved in that. I work with people that don't qualify for anything or actually don't want to go through that process, which is. Uh, I've never had to go through it, but I've had over the years, many clients come to me saying it is a brutal uh, process to go through and they're not happy with the customer service over there. So I deal with a lot of clients that come over from them say, or people that don't qualify. I work with those. Yeah. I've heard that too, as well, which is to be expected. It's probably, it's a huge, it's a huge endeavor to, to take care of all those folks. As It's sad, it is, because I do have, like I said, I'm licensed in eight states, and I help other people in other states get tax credits and subsidized plans in other states. Massachusetts doesn't allow brokers to do it, and their process is just ridiculous. In other states, it's a lot simpler process, because they take them through the federal exchange, and I I help them qualify for tax credits a lot more simply than the way Massachusetts does it. I don't know why they made it so complex and confusing, but they did. But uh, it is what it is. And I don't know how bad it is because I've never stuck my clients through there because I'm not involved. But uh, I work with people that don't want to go through that process. I hear you. Okay. For people that need it. Yeah. So I, I understand. 
Can you just briefly to maybe to put a bow on this, if some if you're working with someone, let's just say on an individual basis, and I guess this would also apply to, to the plan level. Can you just maybe walk through some of the levers that you pull that will adjust the cost down? I know you've mentioned premiums, deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, maybe, maybe just go through some of those, some of those items and talk about how you might move, I guess, cost down or quality up. And in an average discussion with a client, what are you talking through and maybe what options are you giving them for, for what plan is best for them? I know it's going to be all individualized, but maybe just take us through a simplified example. Yeah, it really boils down to just a few variables. First off, cost is always big in there, but then what is important to a lot of people is their doctors. If they have to keep their doctors, then they might be limited in looking at some of the other plans if those doctors are not in the network. Because some of the networks, even though they're still large, you have a lot of access to doctors and hospitals throughout the state. Some of the other carriers limit certain hospitals they take out of the equation certain hospitals or certain doctor networks but they have great plans and great rates but if your doctor is not in the network or you want to you have to have access to those hospitals then that takes you out of the equation for that and then how what their general health is as far as are they a high medical service user or a low end because Depending on that, that answer to that question will help determine if they want to go with a high deductible or low deductible. Another variable, there's also uh, what's known as uh, HSA plans, health savings account plans. Yep. That can help some people. You can get those in the non-group market and the group market. And those are available basically to people that they may be they're probably low medical users or even I have some people that are high medical users and it establishes the ability for them to create a health savings account on the side and fund it and put a certain amount of money that's mandated or regulated by the government into a, a tax-free account to use towards medical services, dental, vision, prescriptions, and that money, like I said, is put in there tax-free. But on the plan, then, everything is subject to that, whatever the deductible is from the get-go, with the exception of going to your annual physical or getting your annual physical. Everything else after that is subject to the deductible. But the HSA allows people to put money into an account tax-free, and then when the bills come in, pay the bills out of that HSA account tax-free. It's a way of putting up to next year, it's gonna be over eight grand in, for a family that you can put in there. So that's over eight grand that you can put into an HSA account that Uncle Sam's not gonna get his fingers on. So, But it has a variable that doesn't appeal to a lot of people, but it's out there. So that's just another option. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that that uh, HSAs were available were available in the individual group market. Yeah, plus financial planners love them because they are tax deferred, obviously on the way in, and then they if you choose to invest them, and whether or not you're going to actually plan to use the money as a planning tool, if you can, if you can pay the your expenses out of cash flow and invest the money that goes into the HSA, a lot of planners will tell you that's great because there's no taxes due ever, right? There's no requirement of distributions when you hit 73 or 75 and you can just let that thing grow and then you can use it and pull it out tax-free toward the end of retirement. Right, and so that's, you're thinking long-term down the road, which is great. And most people, when they're utilizing an HSA, it's more on an immediate need. And yep. the great thing is the money rolls over year to year. So if you don't lose it, 
So with that said, it, it's a great option for people that may want to save some money and not pay a tax on the money to dump in there. But, uh, but there are conventional plans that I put a lot, most of my clients into. HSAs are not as strong in Massachusetts as they are across the country. Yeah. All right. That's great. Let's, I think we'll move into Medicare after the break here, but we're up against it. My name is Justin McNamara. I'm talking today with Everett Henderson of the Henderson Insurance Group, and we will be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I am alongside Everett Henderson today of the Henderson Insurance Group. But actually, while, while we're here at the open, why don't you give out your contact information in case anyone has any questions for you? Yeah, thank you. Anybody can reach me at my cell. My office number is 617-842-3170. They can find me online. My company website is www.hendersoninsuranceus.com. And you can also email me at everett, E-V-E-R-E-T-T, at hendersoninsuranceus.com. And they can reach me, like I said earlier, I'm in licensed in eight states. Yep. Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and Arizona. Yep. And Googling Henderson Insurance works as well. You were the first result up there. If you didn't write all that down, folks. Okay, let's say, you know what, before we do, I I do want to do Medicare. I know because that's that's a a big topic for a lot of folks, especially as they approach retirement age. Let's spend a little bit of time on the group market for those who may run a small business or a large business. Take us through that process. I'll just tell you anecdotally for us, we work with a fellow like you. And when I get my choices every year, which I, which we're going through that process right now. And I generally will get, I get, I have to send my census of all my employees and then, and and I'm, I get back our current plan, our new prices, which are usually higher than the old prices, and then maybe an alternative or two. And maybe just take us through that process with, obviously there are a lot of carriers and I, I frankly didn't know when you said there were a bunch of carriers here in Massachusetts, I was, I guess I didn't really know that because I don't see that many options, but I think my, my guy must be <laughs> winnowing it down for us. And so maybe just talk a little bit about how that works, maybe small group versus large group and what choices that, that business owners might might be faced with. Yeah, so group market, it's a little complex because all the carriers have their own stipulations about how many employees have to be on the plan, whether yeah. they'll work with owner-only employ- companies with just one employee. Some, car- some carriers do, some don't. Um, some okay. require an unrelated person as well on, on the carrier. It's all over the place as far as that goes, but usually once you move into a company size of beyond five, five or more, you're gonna and have- That's five or more people on the plan, right? So not just employees or is that- Correct, correct. Yeah. Five or more people enrolling, and that will give you a little bit more options as far as then it'll increase maybe add one or two more uh, carriers. 
and okay. uh, access to a lot more plans. The more carriers you add, the more plans you have accessible to you. That can be overwhelming to some people. And then some people are looking for, right now, all of a sudden, I'm going through a large surge of people only interested in PPO plans, which I can offer as well, but it's a little different process to get the quotes from. Can you just PPO real quick? Can you just define that? Yes. So there's two basic, two. there's health insurance plans, there's HMOs and PPOs. HMOs uh, require a, uh, a primary care doctor assigned to you. That doctor then refers you to other doctors that are within the network. Yep. If you go outside the network, then the plan is not going to pay and you'll pay 100%. PPOs are nationwide networks of doctors and hospitals. doesn't mean that every doctor or hospital in the country is in it. But it also, you don't need a primary care doctor anymore, and you don't need referrals. You can go to any doctor you want. Okay. Uh, and if they're in-network, great. You pay the lower in-network copay or cost. If they're out-of-network, you can still go to them if they'll accept the plan, and you'll pay a higher out-of-pocket or out-of-network variable. A lot of people, especially on a company plan, there's a lot of folks that are used to PPOs because the companies offer PPOs okay. in order to cover it. They were really started many years ago to help companies that had employees all throughout the country, outside their predominant state that they're headquartered, so that they could offer health insurance and cover the employee in another state. They've grown very popular and now a lot of people are used to them. So when they come off a group plan, they're looking for a PPO plan in the non-group market as well. However, it usually adds 10 to 15% additional cost over an HMO. And okay. a lot of people have these misconceived uh, notions that the HMOs are very small networks and they're, they're going to have to go through hoop, jump through hoops to uh, get services done. That used to be the case many years ago, many years ago, but these HMO networks are quite large, especially on some of the carriers. So you're not really missing out too much on a network. The only variable that bugs people is now they get to get referrals, and uh, a lot of people don't like to go through that extra stuff. That's a quick, down and dirty yeah. uh, explanation of between the two. Yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah, we yeah we're a small group, but I don't think we have PPO available. I've never seen that as an option for us, and uh, yeah, it can be a pain. Especially my wife's a nurse, and she she always know she always knows where I need to end up or one of our kids needs to end up. But you have having to go through that PCP is can be frustrating. It anyway. should. Your group size sounds big enough. Some carriers allow you to get a PPO as, as small as two two employees. On okay, and that's what I. These are all variables that I ask when I'm going through the initial contact is finding out all right, what you're looking for, what do you have now, what, how many employees are, especially if I'm, if I'm talking to a company, these variables matter. What are you looking for? Are you looking to save money? Are you looking to stay in the same level type of plan? Or are you looking for just to get out of the your current carrier? And so there's a lot of variables that I ask so that I can send them the plans that hopefully meet their requirements and then direct them from there. Do you have an idea? And maybe this is just maybe my curiosity. We don't spend much time on it. What's the, cause I know our, our plan is fairly expensive and it's, it's a, 
it's some, I mean, we have, uh, I think, 12 employees at McNamara Financial, and very few of them are actually on the plan. And it's essentially the because of the cost structure that we're forced into based on our size. Oftentimes, when we have two spouses, the other plan is very often the cheaper one. What's the price difference between, let's just say, a very a larger plan if we're if we have thousands of employees versus a small plan? Is it that significant? Are we talking about? I think my, gosh, I can't. I think our, our family plan is around a couple of grand a month now. Cost to us, not the employee. What is that number at a much larger company? Is are we talking like half as much, or is it is it comparable? It also depends on the carrier you're with and how big the group is. Okay, uh, and certainly the size of the group can bring down the, the cost by a certain percentage. I can't really give you a, a percentage wise how much is going to be because it'll really depend on the size of the group. Yeah, uh, okay. and the age of the, the average age of the group. And then once you get to a larger, larger size group, over a hundred, then the carriers can do what uh, they look at your, they call it experience rating, where they look at not specifically uh, each employee, but what in general the experience is, what the average cost is for all the people on there. And if there's a couple employees that are significantly driving the cost up because maybe they have cancer or something, and they're uh, going through a lot of chemo or you know, expensive uh, procedures. That one boy can really drive the, drive up the cost for every of the rest of the group, and the uh, the uh, the carriers can look at that experience rating and say, "All right, we got to increase their rates significantly X Y Z this coming year because of that one employee." That's usually in the large group market in companies that are a hundred or more. Under a hundred, they can't do that. Okay, uh, so. When you're talking a group size yours, it's really where everybody is, the age of everybody will help determine that, how expensive each plan is for your group or individuals within your group. Wonderful. All right. Yeah, I think we have about, let's see, uh, we have, we're under 20 minutes left. So I think probably I would like to spend some time on Medicare because I know I, we get a lot of questions around Medicare at, at our office. And so let's spend some time there. Maybe just explain the, the overall structure of Medicare for those of, for those of us who aren't there yet. And then we can talk a little bit about enrollments and plan options and how the whole, how the whole process works. Okay. And I, this is where I help out a lot of people because a lot of times you got people retiring, coming off a company plan, um, and they might be a husband and spouse, and they're both on the plan, but one's aging in the Medicare and one isn't. So I can help both people because I can take to help the person that needs now health insurance because they're losing company the company option, and I can help the other person that's aging in the Medicare, but. And that's just a quick disclaimer. I, I certainly help those folks as well. But for Medicare, the way it works is that the main premise is that when you move into age 65, you have the ability to enroll in Medicare. Okay. There's multiple parts to, uh, to Medicare. The first part is enrolling in Medicare A and B, which is done through Social Security. That's what everybody's been paying into for years as they've worked. Medicare A, even if you don't, even if you're not currently on Social Security, right? Yeah, you don't need to be in, you don't have to be elected into your benefits and get your Social Security check, but you can elect into Medicare at age 65. So you enroll into a Medicare A and B first through Social Security. There is no cost for A. There is a cost for B, and that's dependent on what that person's income was from two years ago, which fluctuates from year to year. So every year you get down the road, they look back two years for your income. And 
possibly adjust your that Part B premium. And that's your starting point. And I usually tell everybody, the majority of people are can get into Medicare and get better coverage for less money than what they're paying in the health insurance arena. Not true for everybody, that's that's for sure. But it is a large percentage of people get better coverage and for less money. Yep. But uh, if you just enroll in A and B, it leaves you exposed financially. So that's yeah. why people- maybe just yeah. So a, a maybe just define A and B real real quick so everyone knows what we're yeah. what the lingo so means. A basically is anything that's billed under the hospital side of bills. So any anybody that goes into a doctor's office, a hospital, urgent care, anything that's billable through hospital services is paid for by A. There's a $1,664 deductible under A that resets every two months for Medicare, which is significant. That's a big deductible. And on B, anything that's billable by the doctor's side of medical services is paid for by Part B. However, there's next year, there's gonna be a $240 annual deductible as well as 20% coinsurance. So any bill that you get, you're gonna be paying 20% of it with no cap of what you're you could potentially pay out. Oh, so that's, that's, why, that's new this coming year? No. no okay, I'm sorry. The deductible is going up to 240. Okay, uh, but, sorry, just... But those are, those deductible, that deductible under B and that 20% coinsurance has been like that for years. But that's why people elect into supplemental coverage to eliminate those exposures that I just went over. And you can do that two, one of two ways. Path one that I tell everybody is that if you choose a Medigap plan and a Part D prescription uh, drug plan, and both have a premium, and uh, both will get you complete coverage and uh, limit or eliminate those exposures that I just went over. The other option is Parts Part C Medicare Advantage plan, which I'm sure everybody saw at nauseum on the TV over the last several months, um, and those are plans that work differently than the Medigap and the Part D plan. Most of my clients choose plans that have a zero monthly premium, but there are ones that do have a premium monthly. And those incorporate coverage for medical services, prescription drug services, and they also throw in other benefits on as well to entice their, their, their clients to go to their, their plan. Both, okay. both will serve the purpose of getting you coverage and limit your financial exposure. But both work differently, and I go over both with my clients and make sure that they understand what your options are. Yeah. And that way you can choose something that's ideal for you and your purposes. And so uh, did you say there were plans that have a zero monthly premium? Yes, on Medicare Advantage plans. Yeah. How does that work? Can you, can you take us through the economics of that one? It sounds interesting to me. It is. It's, so on, on option one that I mentioned, it's a Medigap plan. So you're paying a monthly premium and getting access to doctors and hospitals throughout the country uh, that take Medicare. And you don't pay really anything uh, out of uh, pocket for any medical services. But you're paying a monthly premium for that. Yeah. On the, on the Advantage plans, the plans that most of my clients like is there's no monthly premium. There's no cost monthly. It's a pay-as-you-go process. So as you go for any type of medical services, you're told what your uh, copay will be. Um, okay. Now, you're not paying a monthly premium for this, and you're just paying as you go. If you have a good year, you don't go to the doctor or the hospital all that much, you're not paying anything or very limited in cost. All these Advantage plans have a cap of how much you can uh, potentially spend out in accumulated copays. 
which is, I always tell everybody it's their safety net. You yeah. can't pay more than this in the course of the year. And they also include uh, Part D prescription drug uh, coverage built into the plan and some other benefits that I go over with my clients, all for a no monthly premium, which appeals to a lot of people, especially anybody that's healthy and doesn't have a lot of medical services. They're, now they're only, the only premium that they're paying is whatever they're paying for Medicare Part B. But it doesn't appeal to everybody. It does, that's more network-based because on the Advantage plans now, you have to deal with the net, network, either an HMO or a PPO, which I covered earlier. With most people coming off of health insurance are used to working with in a network, whether it be an HMO or PPO. So each option has its benefits and its merits, pros and cons, which I go over with each person so that they can decide what's right for them. But the Advantage plans are very popular. That's why they see them on TV, especially during, we just got through what's called AEP, annual election period for anybody aging into Medicare. Or I'm sorry, anybody that's currently in Medicare already has that, that period from October 15th to December 7th to evaluate and review what they have, which is what I help them do, and make a change if they want. If, they, if they're happy and they want to stay, that's fine. And that's okay. But anybody that's majoring into Medicare, they can do that anytime throughout the year when they turn 65. And there is a process to go through that, which I step them through because they have to get enrolled in Medicare A and B before I can enroll them into any supplemental coverage. Okay. Uh, and they have to do that through Social Security, and it usually takes up to 30 days from the time they enroll in A and B before they get their card which will have their ID number that I need in order to enroll them into a supplemental plan or okay. supplemental coverage. Yeah, uh, just to go back, Medicare Part B, you, you did mention that it's, it fluctuates based on your income. The income, I think, for a single, it's 103000 is like the is when you step over into a, a premium adjustment. And for a married couple, I think it's, I'm just looking this up here. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's about 206000 So for, for the vast majority of folks, you're going to get a relatively level premium. You're not going to have an adjustment, although there are certainly times when folks, if, especially if you're about to retire, right? So I assume you see fairly often where you would retire, you'd have a higher premium because they're looking back and then you maybe get a downward adjustment. And so that I just wanted to, to point that out. It, it is adjustable, but for the vast majority of folks, they're probably paying that the unadjusted number. Yeah, those figures are correct. Is If you're filing individually, if you are under $103,000, you are going to pay the lowest monthly cost for Part B. And if you're filing jointly, it's two hundred six. Anything above that, then there's several levels that you will pay the Part B premium plus also an IRMA charge, an income-related charge that the Social Security adds on depending on what income you had two years ago. That gets adjusted every year, or they look at it every year to see if it needs to adjust up or down. And that IRMA charge is added on to the Part B, and it's also added on to Part D, which is your prescription drug. Yeah, the, the higher the income, the certainly the higher uh, the IRMA charge on that one. But again, it, it, uh, they look at it every year uh, and adjust up or down if necessary. Um, however, uh, in, in many cases, it's still better uh, choice for most people. Um, however, not always, because if you are on a company plan, uh, you don't have to come off of your company plan when you turn 65 if you're employed with a company that has 20 more employees. If you meet that requirement, you can stay on that company plan as long as you want. 
okay. well into past 65, which a lot of people do. They're not having, they're not ready to retire at 65 and they continue to work. So they yeah. stay on the company plan, especially if the company paying a, a decent portion of it, then uh, it makes sense why would you come off of it unless it's a terrible plan. Yeah, I'm always surprised that because our, our being a small group, ours I'll do Medicare. Obviously, as a part of a long term financial plan, we have to say, oh, how much is it your Medicare going to cost you in health insurance, etc." And I'm always putting a much lower number for for Medicare than I am generally speaking for what they're currently paying. I, again, to your point, it's not always the case, but yeah, there are certainly times when it does make sense to stay on the company plan. I just let's see what else do I want to cover. We got about five minutes left here. I think, should we wrap up Medicare? Maybe we can move on to some other stuff here in a minute, but what else, uh, anything else on Medicare as we, uh, so open enrollment just ended, correct? Yes, but now we're about to go into what's called uh, OEP, open enrollment period. That allows people from January 1st to uh, March 31st, if they're on a Medicare Advantage plan, if they feel like they made a mistake or they want to look enroll into a different plan that they've heard about, they have that ability from January 1st to March 31st to switch. So it's like a secondary open enrollment type of period for people to reevaluate if they want, or maybe they were too busy during AEP to switch. So during AEP, which we just got through, they have the ability to switch to from an advantage plan to if they want to now go to the first option, a Medigap plan and a Part D prescription plan or vice versa. Now in open enrollment, it's really meant for um, for switching from one advantage plan to another. Okay. There are stipulations, certain situations that would allow people to switch either or during this period of time, which also applies all year long, certain special events, special election periods, they call them, but most people don't fall in that category. But anybody yeah. that's moving, anybody that's moving so maybe they moved April 1st down from Massachusetts down to Florida. That's a special election period. Now they're moving into a different market and they have to, in many cases, enroll into the plans that are down there or vice versa. Okay. Yeah, it, it does seem to me, that I guess I... The question I might have for folks is how difficult is it to change plans, right? Because this is just my experience, right? So I'm, I'm in charge of the plan for McNamara Financial Services. Our needs as a company don't change much. So we tend to have, we will occasionally change our health plan, but maybe it's at once every five years or so. But but in the Medicare arena, it sounds like it's like a, a yearly decision, right? I, I guess year to year, your your health situation can change pretty significantly. And so maybe, maybe, how often are you seeing folks change plans? And I know, again, I know I'm, I'm not asking you to generalize. I'm asking you to generalize maybe more than you want to, but uh, theoretically you could have a new plan every year if your health insur- if your health situation changes. And how much work is it to get into a new plan versus, say, when in my case, a small business, it seems like it's a, a decent amount of work for us. But No, it, it really shouldn't be a lot of work for you because I, as your broker, take and make it as seamless as possible because... I'm full service. Yeah. I work with my clients in the health insurance arena, whether it be part of a company plan or non-company plan, as well as in the, uh, the Medicare arena. And I, I get in contact with them every year at open enrollment time, see how the plan works, and if there's any decision uh, or request or uh, interest in switching. I get all their details, I requote them, 
and then I get them in, uh, enrolled into the new plan as uh, as easy as possible. So I take the, uh, predominantly most of the work off my clients. They just have to decide which way they want to go. I get everything in front of them. We go over it, and then uh, I'll get them enrolled. Uh, I do need some paperwork sometimes, but yep. it's, it should be as seamless. If you have a halfway decent broker, I like to consider myself. Yeah, they're going to make it, make it uh, as effortless as possible. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. We only have about a minute left here, so uh, let, let's wrap it up again. So this year, Everett Henderson and Henderson Insurance Group. Why don't you give out uh, your telephone number here one more time and, and your contact information in case anyone has any questions? Great. It's Everett Henderson. Phone number is my office is six one seven eight four two three one seven zero. My company website is www.hendersoninsuranceus.com. And my email address is everett, E-D-E-R-E-T, at Wonderful. Call. Yeah, and you help with uh, individual coverage, group coverage, uh, Medicare, and, you know, I, we, we didn't cover it today, but essentially, it looks like just about every type of insurance out there. Thank you. Uh, health, medical, Medicare, dental, vision, life, disability, long-term care, you name it. Terrific. Hey, Everett, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you all listeners, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you to all our listeners in more than 50 countries for helping to make McNamara on Money one of the most listened to financial podcasts in the world. We couldn't do it without you. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. And from all of us at the McNamara on Money podcast, including our team in Massachusetts and our producer in Texas, we wish you happy holidays and a happy and prosperous new year. (laughs) 